You're listening to the Pinball Podcast with Just Jeff. All right, welcome to the Pinball Podcast. It's episode 100 to do. Wait, what? I botched that. It's 100. Okay. Yeah, so it's episode 102, and it is Saturday, March 18th. So we're recording a day earlier than usual. Um, because we have an, an, an unusual circumstance today. We've got a special guest, uh, Jessica. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. Jessica, you're a special guest today. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> That's because you, you haven't officially signed the contract of okay. always being here. Well, you demanded in blood, which is kind of weird. So. Well, yeah, oh. I I need that. I need that. All right. Um, Double or negative. It's blood in, blood out on the Pinball Podcast, so the circumstances of Don's departure are uh, never to be revealed, but uh, no. Okay, so Jessica, you're here, and it's good to hear from you, as always. You um, But who's sitting next to you there? Oh, sitting right next to me, this is Bo and Karen's. Hey, how are you doing? I think we're doing all right. Um, Do I have to give you my blood, too, or uh, can I drink wine? I, I took some. Don't worry. I've got it. <laughs> the shadowy figure in your doorway yesterday. <laughs> that, that missing four hours will come back to you in time. But... Holy crap! It all makes sense now. <laughs> It'll make more sense later, but uh, just in that haze. So yeah, so today's show is gonna be kind of a just talk about random stuff a little bit. Talk about um, some things that have been going on. I got a mountain of questions in for you, Bowen, but rather than do kind of the interview thing, because first of all, the Pinball Podcast is terrible at interviews. That's been established. <laughs> Two, you've been interviewed a lot, um, so it's not like there's a lot of juice left to squeeze out of that one. Um, oh, thanks. So what, what, you're, what you're saying is basically that anything that anything that would have been useful for me to say, I've already said to someone else, so therefore we need to talk about... Uh, some Plinko. other Plinko. Oh well, no. <laughs> I, I can. I will happily talk to you about Plinko for a very long time. Um, I've given uh, two different presentations at national math conferences about Ooh. Plinko and other uh, other game shows, but mostly Plinko because people really seem to care about it. Uh, there was a big argument a couple of months ago on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert about Plinko. Drew Carey was on, and they were debating. On, on their show about where to drop the Plinko chip, whether it was best to drop it right in the middle or next to the N, which is a little bit to the right. And uh, Colbert was arguing that it was it was, uh, it was was better to drop it near the N, a little bit to the right. And, and Drew Carey's like, no way, man. You want to drop it right over the middle every time, right over the middle. Um, and I had actually given my talk about this. <laughs> about the difference in value between dropping it in the middle of the board versus dropping it on the far side, left or right, or anywhere in between. Um, ended up uh, tweeting out a link to the presentation and the graphic of how much difference there was with those values. And uh, uh, Drew Carey read it and retweeted it. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, so middle it is. Oh, it's definitely in the middle. Uh, in fact, they say that over the over the lifetime of Plinko, People have lost probably somewhere between one and a half to two million dollars collectively by making inferior decisions about where to put the chip. What usually happens is the, the first chip goes like to the left a little bit, and they're like, "Oh yeah, because the next chip's going to remember to go the exact same way. I better 
start over to the right and make sure that they'll end up in the middle of them. <laughs> and what do you know? That doesn't happen. It's a misunderstanding of prob probability in physics a little bit there. I think that trusting uh, contestants on the Price is Right to be models of uh, understanding of probability in physics or any other thing that has smarts to it is not a good idea. Uh, before we go too far down that hole, I had to convince someone that the Monty Hall problem was an actual thing that you could look up and read about online when we were discussing door number one and door number two and uh, the opportunity to change your choice things. Mm -hmm. And right. they didn't believe me that you could actually go online and read about that, but. I, I hear the internet has things now that you can read about. I know. They're <laughs> like, nah, people haven't really studied that. It's like, you don't understand how big of an industry game shows are and how big they used to be, I guess, but. Um... I used to be, oh, oh, okay. So we're not gonna talk about any pinball today. We're just going game shows. Uh, no, I, uh, I actually, um, one of my weird sidelight jobs is as a consultant for some game shows. Uh, I do math problems for them. And there's problems about the cost of the show or the likelihood of someone winning or uh, basically anything in the format of the game. Um, I'm working on three shows that are on TV right now and two more that are not on TV yet but probably will be sometime in the next 12 months. And uh, so the stuff you do, that goes into, like, everything as far as if they're able to secure, like, insurance agreements and just whether the show's feasible or and all that stuff, right? Like, that's kind of... Yeah, in fact, a, a lot of the into. questions, a lot of the questions even come down to whether the show is interesting, uh, because <laughs> some things that are very likely to happen or un very unlikely to happen, contestant, uh, people watching the show won't get into the show if they don't think that there's a possibility for someone to win. And they won't watch the show if they think it's too likely for someone to win. But one of the shows I was recently hired to work on uh, is um, an MTV dating show called Are You the One? No. And <laughs> no? <laughs> I'm not the one. Not the one. Not the one. And this is a show where they, they really should have called this show Million Dollar Mastermind because it's 10 men and 10 women, it had been, and they had to figure out who their match was according to some matchmakers that had put them on the show in the first place. And if the entire set of 10 men and 10 women could pair off correctly, they, they win the show and they win a million dollar prize to share between all 20 of them. Uh, and this show had been on the air for four seasons, and they brought me in as a consultant to try and help them change the rules of the show to make it more interesting. Because all four seasons had come out the same way. Not well. And they're like, okay, <laughs> we want you to give us some suggestions about the ways to change the rules, but also tell us, if we don't change the rules at all, what, what chance it is that the next season will just end up the same way mm -hmm. as the other seasons have been. Uh, and they did. They changed some of the rules, and it uh, it worked. The, this season was very interesting. It came down to the final episode where they were within two couples away from having it right, and they had to make one final decision, like a 50-50 choice, basically, uh, which was of getting it getting it right and winning or losing. And uh, I encourage watching the show. It's if you if you watch it just for the game theory, it's interesting to me. If you watch it for the 20-year-olds getting drunk and doing stuff that 20-year-old MTV contestants do, uh, it's interesting in a totally different way. Um, yeah, what's the name of it? Uh, it's called Are You the One? 
Are you the one? That's right. It's been on MTV now for five seasons, and they're going to continue to show it. It's it's very it's very popular among people who are much younger than any of us. You know oh, who? Uh, okay. You know who I think the matchmakers chose for this podcast. Um, you matched up with. I think it was Nifty LED. It's Nifty LED. Okay, tell me about them. Uh, Nifty LED, they're your source for pinball bulbs, tools, parts, and more. Uh, hashtag they've got balls. Hashtag Bowen can't stop laughing. <laughs> $6 flat rate shipping, free shipping over $100. NiftyLED.com. Back over to you, Bowen. <laughs> All right. Now, do, do you actually want to talk pinball, or should we talk about different, other different game shows? No, let's talk about, that? well, for now, we can come back to this, but for now, let's talk about uh, your past two weeks in pinball. What have you been doing in pinball? Oh, well, let's see. The past two weeks of pinball. Yes. Um, not too, a little bit ago, we play, I played a uh, strikes tournament at uh, one of the best arcades in Boston, Flat Top Johnny's, and... Mitch Curtis, who's brought the machines there, he um, might be best known for making the Moonwalking Dead. Yes. Uh, a version of Walking Dead where the, the, the West Walker's been replaced by a, uh, a Michael Jackson statuette looking like Thriller. And all of the songs have been swapped out for different Michael Jackson tunes. Very thoughtfully, like with the right timing and musical cues for nice. like... The part of the song you might be most interested in. He put a lot of work and effort into it. A chain, a different back glass, everything. I've seen a video of it. It looks really cool. It's great, and so he's now doing that with other games. So he put a, a kiss in there and replaced most of the songs. Some of the songs have been replaced with other kiss songs, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I was made for loving you. For example, is now is in mm. in the game, and it. it it plays well. The sound system in the game is really nice uh, already, so you can hear those. But then other songs are like I Believe in a Thing Called Love and uh, nice. um, you start the Demon Multiball and it plays Oh Yeah from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> 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 and uh, it's just it's just fun. It's very very satisfying to play. Uh, he's done that with uh, Kiss. He's done that with uh, Metallica, replacing all the Metallica songs with, with Prince songs. Mm. Um, and it's a, a nice collection of games that are clearly well-maintained. So it's grown a, grown a, a culture there. Uh, a lot of players coming out. And there was probably about 30, 35 players there, maybe, for a Sunday afternoon strikes tournament. I was there with my son. And he had fun. He likes uh, ACDC most of all, but uh, he had a good time playing Star Trek. And they had a Medieval Madness remake there temporarily that uh, played really well. So Aaron's spending most of his time playing Medieval and then pointing out to me that uh, when Howard Hurts gets bleeped, I think I know what he said there. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think he said, Aaron? I think he said the F word. Well, it was bleeped out. We're not really sure. <laughs> you never <laughs> And now I'm out here, and uh, I was in Seattle for uh, Thursday night at Flip Flip Ding Ding. They had their 100th weekly tournament, which is an incredible run of events to, to put on. That was their largest. They had 55 players for a Thursday night weekly. Good Lord. And um, just a 
great group of people to to be hanging around with. And came down here Friday after Friday, got a uh, Canadian Slurpee on the way down uh, on a Greyhound bus. Exit eighty one. Okay. Then we were uh, we've been tooling around all sorts of different places to play, including the the pinball outreach project headquarters yesterday for their monthly tournament, and just really great vibe to hang out with everybody. Such a such a fun trip. Yeah, I mentioned that pot monthly on the last episode that we recorded when I did not do well in it. Um, I did much better this time. Bowen and I tied for eleventh place last night at the pop monthly mm-hmm. um it was it was really fun there were some great games there were some nail biters and mm-hmm. then greg over at pop had put a bounty out on bowen so if bowen took a strike in a round where a player got first place mm-hmm. they would win a ten dollar bounty yeah, every time i got uh, beat by somebody they all clapped so it was, <laughs> it was terrific <laughs> it was a fun night but um, the end of the night, uh, after getting knocked out, uh, we played some Beat the Clock. And uh, Jessica has a recording of this. We played uh, Beat the Clock ends up having this bonus collect hole that you can hit over and over again if you if you make a good good shot to it. And it can be worth as much as $2 million for one shot. And it counts it down like 5,000 at a time. So you hit this shot, and it just goes... All the way, all the way home, uh, and they're like, oh, "Let's hit it again!" <laughs> Even faster than the last one. Yep. It's uh, over the top, but in a really good way. Very, so I have a pretty fun. great video of Bowen rolling it for the third time. And every time he gets in the collect hole, it's just—it's hilarious. Everyone in the place is cracking up. It's really good. That's my pinball the last two weeks. It's been more pinball than usual for me. I've been playing at a lot of events, and uh, most of my travel now is to Pittsburgh to film videos for the the for Papa and the Pinball Patreon. It's been just really wonderful to have the support of the community to make these tutorial videos, and that's one of the things that happens coming out here and hearing, meeting people who have gotten to play pinball a lot and. Or learning to get better from watching those videos, and it's been a real honor to be part of helping the helping the community. Definitely, Jeff. What have you been up to, Jeff? He's gone. Uh oh. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Are you still there? No good. Oh, not good. Uh, so what have I been doing? Well, um, it's probably pretty obvious to everyone listening that I've been scrambling to try and get my microphone to start working again. But um, one thing I... Welcome back. One thing I tried to mention, and I thought you guys just rudely brushed it off, is that Flat Top Johnny's we just did. got an Aerosmith in as well. I saw they posted uh, pictures of that. So when you're back home, but yeah, terrific, yeah, you can go and Mitch, um, check that out. Mitch is uh, doing a great job of acquiring uh, new games and operating them, and uh, he's uh, he's really committed to it, and he's helped drive some some 
new interest in Boston. Not to say there hasn't been. There's been a very strong arcade in Cambridge, Mass. called at the Lanes and Games Bowling Alley for many years, run by Mike Engel. And he would get the newest stuff, uh, be the first place you could play. First place I remember playing ACDC, playing Thrones, playing Metallica, pretty much everything for the last five years. And the bowling alley recently changed hands and they're bulldozing it for condos because they're really close to a subway station. So no more bowling alley means no more arcade, means no more no more of those great games on location. And two new locations have popped up in the Boston-Cambridge area to kind of compensate for this one at Flat Top and one at a grilled cheese restaurant <laughs> uh, called uh, Roxy's. Uh, it's like Roxy's A4 Arcade or something. I forget exactly what it's called. Yeah. That's a good pairing. Grilled yeah. Cheese grilled and cheese and pinball is not a bad <laughs> pairing. And uh, I, know, I mean, I know the scene in Portland and Seattle is amazing right now. The scene in Boston is, is growing and it's not nearly like it is here, but there are definitely new players picking it up. And the pinball league in New England is over 200 players now Dang. throughout all six New England states. There are different locations for people to play. It's a wide that's a wide range of areas to play from northern Vermont to western Connecticut to it could take as many as four to five hours to drive across that whole area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, in, we're in a bit of a growth phase as well as far as both people playing competitively or in the league and uh, with new locations coming up. In fact, our league is causing a location to be created, which is pretty exciting. So... That's one of the things I've been doing. So just our normal league play and uh, what we've been talking about is getting something started up as far as kind of like a private club like the Flipper Spill Underground down in Vegas. And uh, one of the members in our league found a location and signed a lease on it. So we have a we have a place. Sweet. Yeah, Congrats. I know. I'm super excited. And I folded up Doctor Who and moved it out. It's going over to the club. So that's the first thing I'll be putting there. Um, and I'm probably going to move uh, my Central Park, the old EM game, over there. Oh, yeah. yeah Central Park is uh, pretty yeah, great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you want to hit things over the head with hammers? <laughs> That's your game. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when, when everyone plays it for the first time, it's funny because uh, when the monkey rings the bell uh, the first time, you see him kind of glance up there like, I, they, they swear they saw something moved out of the corner of their eye. And then when they realize <laughs> that it's doing it, um, they get pretty excited. So... That, that's been a great game to have here. And uh, when people come over and we have league night here or we do just open house type event things, um, that one's one that doesn't get played as much as I'd like it to. And But I think in the club setting, um, it'll get played a lot more. So it's a great game. So yeah. that and Doctor Who. Totally. How is your genie? Uh, it's, it's beautiful. So, yeah, genie showed yeah. up this week. And uh, that... That new old stock playfield that it came with is just amazing. Um, I'm going to do that swap. <laughs> and then I think with the old playfield, uh, one of the locals here wants it for wall art. So I'm going to send it to Dan over at Tilt Cycle and he can do his magic with it. And then All right. nice. don't, for, don't forget to do the right thing with Genie and replace your ball with a power. Uh, ball. Yeah. So yes. I've, I've actually already 100%. ordered one for that that sort of madness but yeah <laughs> the nice thing is it came with a whole new set of drop targets um new pop bumper caps and all sorts of above the playfield stuff but i'm going to go ahead and um, redo all the mechs and everything it's going to be basically like new i had a new back glass and a new playfield so i'm excited about that Terrific. I, yeah i already moved that in um i've got those flip boards coming in from 
I think they ship from France. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So after that, it it should play like a brand new game, and um, I'm really excited about that. Um, when are you gonna start streaming it? <laughs> when I figure out the streaming <laughs> software side of things. So streaming pinball, that'll never work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I, yeah, I've got I've got the hardware and I've verified that all works. So I just need to come up with a little interface and um, do it. I, I've been so lazy. Okay. Yeah, and then um, I sent my Ghostbusters playfield back today to get the replacement program stuff done. So that is on its way back. That's exciting. Um, get that uh a non-ghosted version i don't really i don't really i don't really understand why people expected there wouldn't be any ghosts in this game (laughs) what what is this problem you're you're sending the stuff you're sending it back it's this big so that the ghosts the ghosts can be busted what is this bust your own ghosts yeah that's the whole purpose of the game (laughs) to bust the ghosts why do you need someone else to do it for you (laughs) so when the ghosting started on mine i was kind of disappointed like ah whatever but but it wasn't that big of a deal. It's when the chipping started that I actually cared. Um, but yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty ironic that that issue really blew up on Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> rough situation, but uh, I mean, at least that's about that lends jokes better than. <laughs> at, least it, at least it didn't happen on the the upcoming chips pinball machine. <laughs> oh, thank goodness, planking was a short lived trend and. They didn't make a pinball machine about that, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, well, you know. Yes. Disaster themes are a big deal, so flooding, water damage, I don't know. Whatever. There's a bunch of stuff that they can do. But... <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, oh. oh you, you can't you can't talk about uh, pinball flooding that brings back too many memories. So. I. The. Uh, oh, that's the major crazy flood in uh, Pittsburgh. Those pictures are so sad. It's like yeah. Cherry, Terry Medieval, Cherry, uh, Cactus Canyon, a whole bunch of other games, uh, and Empire Strikes Back from Australia. A bunch, uh, most of it was just completely unsalvageable. Like uh, 200 plus games lost. That's so heartbreaking. I know. That's in in the uh, documentary uh, Tilt when they show that section of stuff. It's just, oh, like to see it and to watch them, like the their reaction as they're in there kind of cleaning up and it just looks, it looks bad. It's, Oh, mm. I, I can't believe that they rebuilt the place in a year. I mean, that's crazy in itself, but that is not, uh, it's not, it's not normal. No, <laughs> most things aren't in pinball. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, the loss there was incredible. Uh, luckily that wasn't in a place that is hard to get pinball machines to like there's, uh, a lot of pinball machines around like if that had if some guy crazy guy did that like out here in the salt lake area uh that wouldn't be one year to replace he'd be working 10 years to get all those games again it would be crazy but hmm. um so yeah not a whole lot more than that um i'm getting ready to go to texas pinball festival next weekend so that should be fun um oh, good yeah i'm excited to play some of the games i mean we'll have will be my first time playing Dialed In, so as I've got one of those on order, I, I need to play it before I fully 100% commit to that pre-order, but I'm, I'm pretty sure based on what other You're people said. You're getting it. I, I like Lawler games, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can't. 
believe. Yeah, I've been waiting to play it. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to go to any of the shows or festivals where I get down to get down to New Jersey to, to see it. But um, people who've played it talk about the flow and talk about the some of the similarities to to Roadshow in that uh, there are shots that have multiple targets to them. For example, you could shoot one shot and have the ball end up in lots of different places mm. from the diverters that are part of the action. So the flow from one thing to another is yeah is quite varied. Variable. Even though there there aren't like seventy bazillion shots on the game, and I think that's one of the things that that might distinguish this game from Wizard of Oz, for example, which had a monstrous number of different shots to shoot for, but uh, not as much flow and spacing between those shots that makes you feel really satisfied and continuing to go boom, boom, boom around. It's just a different style of play field, obviously, with a different designer. It's funny because uh, if I think of Lawler play fields, there, there are like two or three-way combo shots, but there isn't really the kind of flow that you think of from, from other designers, but this game seems to have that, that right. flow to it. Yeah, yeah just um, watching gameplay, it looks like something I really want to get my hands on. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so that'll be down there. Uh, the next spooky pinball game will be unveiled, um, as well as the, another one. Yeah, they'll have Dominoes and Jetsons, and then their official full game number three Jeez. will be there. Um, so, so these other games, even though that that Dominoes and Jetsons are like games three and four for them, you're talking about them, them making their fifth. They're fifth different Yeah, so Dominoes and Jetsons are commissioned titles, um, essentially. Mm -hmm. So while they carry the spooky mark on it, uh, the next one's officially game number three. So yeah, technically it's their fifth one they've built. But yeah, they'll have that there as well. That hasn't been announced yet, so there's a lot of speculation. Um, Ooh, you you, speculate. Go speculate. Speculate. (laughs) Oh, we we want to... Uh, I have I I just I don't know any of the speculations by the way I have no information and and I don't. Uh... I'm always surprised. So like when Jetsons happened, everyone's like, "Oh, we knew this was happening." It's like I had no idea this was happening. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing that. Since you here? Well, I think the reason that that one got out is because it wasn't their game; it was the pinball company's mm-hmm. uh, making it. Um, and so information made from what pinball company? The was pinball that? company. Well, which way? Which pinball company? The pinball company. What kind of okay. arrogance does it take to call yourself the pinball something, right? <laughs> like, what is it? A pinball company? Because there's there's more than one, right? The, the pinball, pinball company. company. The what? Like, like we're not a pinball podcast. We're, we're the, the pinball, pinball podcast. podcast. Oh, you're the oh, you're the <laughs> pinball podcast. Ah, see, there we go. That's the only podcast about pinball. I'm glad you caught on the floor. I was going with that. <laughs> that, that dares to name itself just that, exactly. So I, I think I've said it before. I named it that because um, I'm an online marketer. And for search engine reasons, if someone typed in pinball podcast, there was no way we weren't going to come up first. So uh, it worked. <laughs> and we have tens of listeners because, because of it. So. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's yeah. good. And uh, there's important uh, that allows you to get balls from nftlds.com. Yeah. So, well, you guys, you guys are doing a really good job with, with especially having continuing to have the podcast. I know that uh, having done some casting with uh, 
it's always variable inject danger that getting people together and actually doing it is is quite uh, quite an endeavor at times. Yeah, it is. Uh, but then you you just get it out there, I guess. Uh, I can be stubborn cool. about yeah. the least of important things, and this is an example of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like important Jeff stuff. Can be stubborn. <laughs> uh, important stuff. Oh yeah, speculation on spooky. So. I've heard uh, everybody saying Scooby-Doo like it's a foregone conclusion, but I, I don't think it is Scooby-Doo. Um, okay. And then another one that would make a ton of sense, and I would actually be really excited if it was, is uh, Godzilla. Because they're, they're mm -hmm. Godzilla mega fans, and um, they've even done... That was their first game as they did a re-theme and made a Godzilla. So that would be cool. Some sort of monster theme. Um is kind of right up their alley. A little bit more than Scooby-Doo is, I think. But Scooby-Doo could be fun. Well, what would be their worst case license? If they if they come out and it's such and such, you would go like, oh my god. What? Journey. <laughs> <laughs> I always tease Charlie that the, his game number two is going to be Journey. But <laughs> I... My Little Pony? I think that would have pretty good success. Sparkle, yeah. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic uh, <laughs> pinball machine. You could have it uh, shown at the convention in Pittsburgh before replay effects. And then <laughs> yes, the furries would love so, it. That's the one where people have to pretend to be oh. mad. Like, I can't believe they did my little point. Oh, uh, while they're sending uh, their... Right, their... Oh, oh, wait, wait, oh, it's kind of awesome. Try it. It's pinball. <laughs> and then they're sending their emails out to, to Spooky to get on the list. But... Oh, the custom shooter rod with the ponytail. <laughs> okay, now I really want that. Actually. But do you? I I would still play it at the pinball. I'm totally gonna play yeah. it. Yeah. When we um we were running uh we run this thing at California Extreme. We do a, a match game uh, panel, and one of the one of the questions is always like. So Stern is coming out with such and such movie license or such and such TV license. Like, what would be the? We, we've we've heard that blank is the is their next game and we're just not happy. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> and uh, so for TV licenses, the the best answer I ever heard was uh, to catch a predator. <laughs> <laughs> this was and this was at the this was at the time oh, when no. the whole predator thing was going down. <laughs> And uh, this guy said, "No, no, that's not the game they're actually making. They're they're making to catch a predator." Um, no, like this is just not going to be very successful. I'm sorry. Oh, and to start to start multi ball, you have to get them to sit down in a chair. First, you got to collect. You have to the, collect different yeah, items like wine coolers talk, and condoms. and Taco Bell and Doritos. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> Oh no! It's like party, party in a Kroger bag, multi ball, basically. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. We, we we shouldn't have. You did this to yeah, us. Yeah, we shouldn't have gone down that one. But, um, speaking, cal is that one of the modes, Jeff, or is that? You have to collect like your excuses. Like while you're there, shoot the shoot, shoot the left orbit to claim you were trying just to warn him he shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> That's... 
Okay, so someone oh who's good gosh. at Photoshop and uh, has a lot of time, please, please mock this up for yeah. us. So. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned Cal... Uh, I mean, in both cases, it just ends up in court. <laughs> 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 yeah. Luckily, luckily, Kevin's not a sympathetic character, so we don't have to feel bad about any of these jokes. So... Um, I feel bad for the people who lost money. Though. To the predators on the show. <laughs> yeah. Less sympathetic characters. Um, okay, let's let's breathe. Okay. Back. <laughs> uh, so, I guess that's Spooky's next game then. Um, okay, that would be all right. I, mean, I would prefer Wacky Races if you're going to go with uh, yeah, one of those Hanna Barbera cartoons. Uh, Wacky Races would be spectacular, uh, and I mean you can bring in any character you want at that point because they're just all over the map yeah is it bad that when you said wacky races i was just like they should do a death race 2000 because those are also wacky <laughs> racers <laughs> <laughs> um yeah death race death race 2000 is pretty much wacky races live action version right and they they just did uh, death race 2050 so i know i just watched that Cool. Well, if, if Hanna Barbera is open to licensing stuff out, which they've always been right. able to do, um, is it wasn't the original Space Ghost a, a Hanna Barbera cartoon? Yes, yeah, mm. and there was the fact that uh, Cartoon Network had such access yeah. to the Hanna Barbera library that allowed them to do Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which would be an amazing pinball and, machine, uh, and and re and rejigger all of those that old footage yeah and they just used the old footage from the, the old cartoons and yeah it was spliced it all in that that was so like that would that would be solid oh, yeah um then then that game and that game all you all you really have to do is, is shoot into the corner and then to like wow oh, that's me in the corner <laughs> um, uh start stipe stipe multi-ball i think <laughs> Oh, the LED lighting would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want—I just want a Brack frenzy. I mean, that—that that would be cool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the so many possibilities. Doe frenzy you're talking about, where he just says, "Yeah, yeah. buddy," every time. Hi, 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 frenzy. <laughs> I know, I don't even care if it'd be good I'd have to have one just because it would be hilarious <laughs> Alright, uh, so Charlie, oh. you've got one week to change what you're doing into ghost, uh, Space Ghost <laughs> um, Let's see, what else do you mean down there? Oh, Aliens will be there So I haven't played that yet Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited I, I haven't played it, I've gotten to see some of the video of it and I'm, I'm really impressed by the, the what the quality from the audio side as yeah. well as from the gameplay side and even the rules side you've just got a lot of different people and it's interesting a model of design that's different from the ways that Williams used to make games where you have all these people in the same physical place you're talking about people from different continents doing this work together and it's really impressive. Yeah, it is. Joe Schober and Brian Dominey are on the software rules side. and Both of them are experienced players, good players who have a knowledge of the types of rules from different games and how to tweak them and make them interesting. And what I liked it, what I li liked especially is you could see 
some of the influences from other games, but they weren't just reporting in the exact rule from the other game. Even Full Throttle, which Brian designed the rules for, um, has that sort of medieval madness kind of thing where you bring in multi-balls from making shots, but then you can bring in, start a new multi-ball during the multi-ball you're already on, right. or uh, the, the value of shots in the playfield multiplier was controlled by different things. So now they're bringing in Joe's influences as well, and the rules just look really clever, uh, balanced. The, the the modes having different phases is there's just a lot of work going into this game. It looks like so I'm excited for it. Very excited. Um, I there's a couple of guys in my league that have a a lot of interest in it. They're just waiting for them to start kind of shipping more regularly before they get in because there's a bit of a backlog. But um, I I think what we were saying is it's kind of like uh. It has a lot of features from the best of what Sega did. Like it's, you look at the layout and it it doesn't say anything. Kind of like a lot of the Sega games, you look at it and like I don't even know what to compare this to. But um, it does a lot of kind of one-off clever ideas, like you were saying that um, don't feel like kind of the same pattern that we've seen. I think Sega Pinball had a lot of neat ideas, just poorly executed. Um, so I don't know if, if if they kind of hit that feeling but do it right. I'm really excited about it. But uh, what do you mean when you say like some of the interesting Sega ideas? What's an example um, of what you think was a was an interesting okay. idea from those games? So like on Starship Troopers, for example, that little extra flipper that most people kind of ignore, uh, it mm -hmm. scores differently if you hit with that one. Um, mm -hmm. So like that's kind of something that's crazy and cool that uh, just. I know games generally just have two flippers at the bottom, but somebody really thought like, okay, if I'm going to put another one in, what besides shot geometry is the reason for it? Like, I think that's kind of cool. Um, but, you know, it's not the greatest game. And there's a couple of, I found out a really, really fatal flaw in that game that there's no shooter lane. And uh, if the ball doesn't kick your balls yep. out correctly during multiball, they just drain. So I had that happen in competition. Yeah, it's a... It's a major problem with that game, and unfortunately, that's part of that's one of the reasons you see the types of, of shooter designs that you see, and everything is sort of always standardized. Yeah. Um, Sega, the year or two before that, was doing those big shooters like Guns N' Roses, which fires the ball all the way up in a habit trail to the to the very top lanes, yeah. so that they could get a wider wider playfield geometry in the game as well. And that backfired on them a bit because on location, if that kicker doesn't send the ball all the way around, say at the start of multi-ball, now that ball didn't clear. And then another ball has been loaded into the, the shooter. Now it's got to launch two balls and that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then the third ball kicks out and you, you just get into this, this nasty malfunction situation where there are five balls in the shooter lane and nothing's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like there are so many difficult issues with game pinball game design that are not even thought of by casual, casual or experienced players that the choreography of the game is so difficult. Uh, Dwight Sullivan gave an interview a few months ago where he said he spends more time working on the choreography than he spends working on the rules design. And his rules design are really deep. They're about uh, their, their storylines. There are reasons that things happen in the order they happen. And coordinating all the animations and the timing of things and making sure that when the ball kicks out of somewhere, it kicks out at the right time and not too early and too uh -huh. late. You have to get that right for every piece 
of the game for it to feel the way you expect it to. And so when you, when you think Stern versus Spooky, for example, Spooky's done a really good job with the games they produced, but some of those choreography issues that they're, they're just kind of figuring all that stuff out as they go, it's, it's incredibly difficult to get right. And that's part of what makes the feel of a game so varied. These are not issues that even were a problem in the, the 70s and 80s. Like you didn't have any choreography on Meteor. Right, exactly. Um, you just had shot like, feel. <laughs> <laughs> noise that keeps getting worse as you play better. Uh, okay. Um, but it's building anticipation. With, tension. with the, the detail and the electronics, it's amazing still to me that there are as many games as there are made right now as many different models because each model has so much so much going into it right uh, and so like I, I hear people online going like hey where's the where's the update of the code for this it's like dude, these people are already working 10 hour days nights and weekends to get these games set up the way they are uh this it's it's clearly a labor of love for for these people because they could easily go into a normal computer industry and have a real job have another job that paid better job. a real job <laughs> instead they get to spend their time and energy on a game they love uh, and I, I wish that we were more respectful of those those people we, we 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 say things online to those people that are very hurtful regularly and I don't know why people do that because if you're gonna discourage someone from doing better that's what you're doing you're telling people hey where's the code well the response to that is going to be that the code for games is going to be Three shots for this, three shots for that, three shots for that. Okay, good, ship it, it's ready. Uh, and that is complete code that most people who play pinball would just say, okay, great. Yeah. They're writing stuff and doing all this work for us. And I uh, I just want to point out that we, we I, I respect so deeply the work that, that Lyman and Dwight and, and Lonnie and all the programmers at every company put into these games for us that they they really don't have to do. Yeah, and Absolutely. there's a, there's always a running narrative that gets a, that gets attached to certain people as well. Like um when Aerosmith was re was shown off and it was uh dirt, you know, Donnie doing the art, Borg doing the design, Lonnie doing the code. A lot of people kind of grumped at Lonnie doing the code, but now when it's actually got out and people are playing it, they're saying, "Hey, this is pretty good code. This is fun." It 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 does a lot of neat stuff and they like the way certain things are flowing into each other and that's on its first iteration. And so there's a little bit of danger in um, those narratives that get pinned to people. And uh, a lot of times it is situation like Lonnie started Iron Man, right? He was the first one and then Lyman finished it. Isn't that how that game went? Um, I don't know enough detail to be sure okay. of that. I, thought... um, I know that I believe that uh, Lyman worked on Jericho as a mode within that right uh, but I, I don't know if that's actually true or not uh, but that the majority of the work including the do or die concept was Lonnie's as a as a main coder right and um, so I, I think one thing that is because we don't have full transparency unless the coders come out and say it is uh, we don't know where those handoff points actually were uh, we don't know what was even planned in the beginning but People point to something like Iron Man, and they'll come out and say, "Yeah, Lonnie couldn't get it done, so uh, Lyman finished it." But we don't even know, like, if that was the um, actual situation, or if things were just set up to where you know Lonnie was getting moved to the next project, Lyman was finishing it. But 
yeah, some of those, those some of the things get dangerous, and I feel bad because by all accounts, everyone who knows Lonnie say, yeah, he's not any less passionate than any of the other coders. He's he's a talented guy. He's creative. Um, I don't know. Th- things yeah. things are and hard to actually know what's going on. I don't know again what what ha- what's happening internally with them, but it's been interesting to see. Uh, new people coming into that company, both from the game design and the rules design standpoint. That's just something that I'm happy is happening because it, it has to happen. Yeah. It has to be turnover in the industry long-term. As Steve Ritchie, is, as amazing as his games are, he's now 40 years in yeah. as a pinball game designer. Yeah. And that's not going to last forever. <laughs> Pat Lawler as well. Uh, George Gomez has been designing games. He designed Tron, the video game Tron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and good Lord. Uh, to to then expect these people to continue to drive the industry forever. They're they're experts, but they're they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna wanna retire eventually, probably, and we have to hand it off to I guess now we're handing it off to Keith Elwin. That will be very interesting. Have you seen Archer? Yeah, I've played it. Have you seen any of those videos? Yeah, I played that. You played the I Archer? Played it oh, man. It's, it was fun. I really liked what he was doing with that. So. I'm excited to see what he comes up with. It'll definitely be interesting to get fresh perspective and new blood in there. So is he working on the Catch a Predator <laughs> game? Or... <laughs> no, he's doing My Little Pony. That was his. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I assumed he was going to work on Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what? I'm all for um, the stuff like Domino's and whatever because um, I'm one of those people that does believe there should be strong crossover between pinball and brands and pop culture and whatever. I I mean, you had the Yonoid Nintendo game back in the day, and that was like totally natural and normal. I, I wish that um, we could use those types of licenses a bit more um mm-hmm. maybe taco bell would be a little weird but <laughs> collect meat collect it cheese taco bell is the re-theme for demo man yes all all restaurants are now taco yeah. bells oh you know you know what'd be awesome okay this is you made me think taco bell, <laughs> taco bell actually could be awesome okay so left orbits like your collect meat right orbits like your beans no, shoot yeah, up the yeah. middle of cheese but the order in which you collect them you produce a different food so if you need to make a taco yeah. there are there are like 15 different modes and they all comprise meat cheese and yes. beans in the right shots order. you're like look we've created the chalupa cambra <laughs> and uh yeah so like I'm picturing a chupacabra that's shaped like a chalupa. <laughs> and then once you, once you've built all the foods, then you have to build the combo meals. Like you got to get taco, uh, whatever the nacho supreme and Pepsi. And then you, you... <laughs> I appreciate that we all know that it's the same ingredients that they just put into different shells, and that's every menu. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you're saying this is this is like you could you could basically make it like diner as a play field at its core. Pretty much, but, uh, with, the, with five different people ordering up. I would like the chalupa, the chalupa cup, and a Pepsi. And of course, it's it's got to be a Pepsi because they only do Pepsi. Products. That's right. The Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm more in for the uh, I'm more in for the star, the strawberry Starburst shake. <laughs> that sounds crazy to me. I haven't tried it, but I've seen it. <laughs> oh, 
Um, so, so you're saying we need more of those crossover games? Like, so you want a pinball machine based on the the Burger King game where the, the little king sneaks around and Sneak king. scares people and gives them burgers? No, By the way, nothing should ever be based on that little. Or the or terrifying. the or the little spot, like the Seven Up spot. Uh, <laughs> cool spot was There's a fun already game. There's McKenzie in Spring Break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice fake Spuds McKenzie. Oh my god. Um, so we got to decide right now. Are we gonna before we release this podcast just throw some uh, some uh, trademarks on these just stellar ideas, or, or are these for free? <laughs> I'm gonna trademark someone else's I, brand. I, what are you planning to do with are, these I ideas? These are for free because I want someone to go go make them. Let's. let's... Make you don't think happen. I would make this happen? I... Yeah, if you want the really good ideas, you got to hire. <laughs> these, aren't, now, these aren't the class one ideas. Just, there's more where this came from. <laughs> look, I when I was in college, I, I wrote a whole rule sheet for a Beavis and Butthead pinball machine that did not exist, uh, and pretended as though I had I had seen it on location as a prototype and you know this in the day of uh usenet news groups there's no photos there's no yeah. it's nothing uh and people believed it <laughs> mostly um we're like you're hitting your the pop bumpers are just i mean i guess south park they, they crushed it out but now all the fart noises that could have been happening from pop bumpers. Or... Yeah. Oh, it was more the ha-ha. Yeah, the laughing. <laughs> <perfect. laughs> Shoot orbits to collect TP for your bunghole. Mm-hmm. Fire. <laughs> Fire. Oh, the soundtrack would be amazing, though. Get like, some mm-hmm. dancing in there. It's like, oh, it would be really good. Oh, early 90s uh, MTV. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. I, I would take that. <clears throat> Yeah, that one's for yeah, free too, guys. Beavis and Butthead, Beavis and Butthead would have been a very strong, very strong license game. I think they could have done a great job with that. Uh, I want a Daria machine where every shot you're just indifferent to everything. <laughs> that shot scored zero. Yeah, the score, doesn't... <laughs> score doesn't matter. Your score, no matter what, at the end just says whatever. <laughs> just Jane shrugging. You shoot stuff, and the score just changes your mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man. It's like a smiley face scale, except it never gets very happy. It just stays in that middle range. Until you end at ball three and it's over. And that's you said, well, at least it's over. <laughs> um, none of these will be at Texas Pinball, but... Uh, they might be. You, you never, never know. know. You never know. The next spooky game could be Daria. It could be. But it is going to be the first time I play a Papa Circus. Could even be a boat. How about that? Uh, yeah, they they um, they they voted for it. It's uh, I'm I'm glad the circuit has gone to this sort of voting format uh, to decide the events because uh, you get you're gonna you get more variety. You get events like uh, Outer Banks and uh, Buffalo that happened for the first time last yeah. year, and Texas for the first time this year, and a couple of others like Vancouver. And events that want to be part of it can, and events that's, that that uh, the events that are running well can continue by by way of the uh, the survey results. And not everybody's thrilled by having it being done in this way. I'd rather have it be some weird select committee or whatever. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know what's right. I just know that when I was part of that committee to select events, that we just got we just got 
bad feedback all the time. Mm. How could you pick this event and not my event? Well, you know, I, <laughs> I will never, I will never support you again because you you took my event off the circuit. Like those are the kinds of things that actually happened. Wow. And um, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that uh, the way it is now is it's it's fair, it's transparent, it's very clear how it's happening, and mm. the, and that and that players are in charge of it and not some committee. Yeah. Well, as we know, Who knows? Often, whether I... that's right or wrong, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I just can't. I, I, but it also, you know, from a, from a, from my own selfish perspective, it means that I was, I'm now eligible to play. That's great. In the circuit, in the circuit final, because since I had been part of the, the team picking the events, I, I had a conflict of interest that then excluded oh, me right. from being yeah. able to play in the circuit final, even though I could play in the individual events. I was, I was the black hole. Yeah, and so whether the process is better or not, I think the outcome that we're seeing is improved. So um, process can always be worked on, but like at least in the meantime, we're getting a better outcome. I think uh, you're going to see a more diverse player base than usual because uh, like, uh, the Denver show, uh, I'll be at that one as well, and that's another Papa Circa event. So I've never even been to any. Um, I'll hit two this year. Uh, the only other, the only other real change to the, the circuit this year was that uh, the top forty players in all events earn points um, instead of the, what had been the top twenty-four. Yeah. So, so players who who near miss qualifying, they can still get points. And then some of the the larger events that are repeaters from previous years can be. Uh, they're not nominated to be. They they become majors, which then are worth uh, one and a half times value of the of the regular event. Yeah, and that's like so. If you're if you're if you're a big event and you're good and you stay on, then you're a major. Yeah. next year. And I think that's a cool thing. Uh, well, we know Papa and IFP are ru- are out to ruin pinball for everybody. Um, oh yeah, and they, they, <laughs> they they're, they're, they're clearly two organizations that cross purposes that hate each other implicitly in all ways and they're trying to d- <laughs> drive information away from one another that that is why this weekend's ifpa pin masters is not part of the circuit oh oh wait it is <laughs> <laughs> ah, those sharps yeah trouble um i know right there's like there's like more of them i keep making more <laughs> no I was talking to Jessica earlier today about uh, one of my earliest experiences with pinball, which was uh, playing in a underground um, arcade in Miami Beach. Uh, not underground, like you don't know it's there, but, but it was under the ground <laughs> in the basement of a hotel. And uh, playing some game with a big white light in the back corner of the game. Uh, I'm like six or seven years old, I don't remember. But I don't remember playing that game until I saw it again at Chicago Pinball Expo in 2000. And I see sharpshooter, and like that's the game. That's the game from the basement of the uh, of the hotel. Uh, and Roger Sharp is yeah. on that back class. He's a cowboy with his wife. <laughs> he did not ride on a steel horse, but uh, he's he's. I guess he's a cowboy. I, I never knew. <laughs> steel ball, steel horse, or... it's something. Uh, so like, and that's. Yeah, I'm jealous in a way of the people in this industry, but because they get to like have this influence over the whole world of like people play their games and have these experiences uh, the, pin, the pinball illuminati <laughs> <laughs> a little bit uh 
and then having this having this opportunity to create create videos and content for people to share with one another and to be part of now growing the scene and having people watch and learn is I feel like I don't, I don't get to design the games I never I never will because I don't have that expertise but uh, I feel honored to be part of that at all. yeah and that's a really good go ahead way to start talking about what we're doing <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to cut you off if you want to finish and then I'll go into what I've been doing. No, that that actually um yeah, I want to I want to talk about those activities so go go run. Okay, I'm running. I'm running. Um I was actually going to say you're talking about the shows that you're going to and how you've kind of finalized your plans um feeds into what I've been up to the past two weeks. I haven't um been playing in a lot of tournaments. I'm kind of taking a little bit of time off from our weekly tournaments just because it's a lot going on right now because I was planning for Bowen's arrival here to Portland. Um, but I did manage to finalize all of my pinball travel plans for next year, mostly because I chose to do one big thing that's going to eat up most of my vacation time. Um, but I'm going to Pincade in New Zealand next Ooh. year um, in March. So they just had their 10th one. And I was checking in on Taylor from this Flippin' Podcast's Twitch stream, and there was a gentleman there from Australia who hopped into the chat who had just gotten back from Pincade and was talking about how amazing it was, and he directed me to the Pinside thread, so I checked that out, and it just, it sounds amazing. So I've been wanting to go to New Zealand, and I was like, all right, done. I put my vacation time in for next year at work. Um, and I'm like, this is the time I'm taking, so I'm going to go to New Zealand and I'm going to play in that and tool around for a little bit. So I'm super excited. If anyone else, um, is planning on going to that or has been there and has some tips, please reach out and let me know. I would love to hear about it. Um, it sounds like it's going to be overwhelming and really very super amazing and I can't wait for it. So I will be doing that. I'll be doing Pinburg again because I will always and forever do Pinburg. It's my favorite, favorite pinball event of the year I'm thanks, sorry it's sold out it's sold out I'm sorry you, you, you're you can't play I'm already oh. <laughs> are you resending my registration please do yeah, did you miss registration we had to, we had the second level of registration last weekend did you did you respond to that I, I got it on the first wave. Why? What do you, you would know? You have to respond to last weekend's to both of second them? Uh, level oh, registration, or when's you'll the third eliminate level it. Registration? It's uh, double super secret registration. <laughs> and I am on the uh, double super secret waiting list because I was <laughs> I was slow once more. So. <laughs> uh, it's just I can't believe I I got uh, I got one of those. Facebook messages that says, here's something you posted, blah, blah, years ago, and uh, this weekend is the sixth anniversary of the original Pinberg, the original match play Pinberg in 2011, and we were crazy excited to be playing in this giant match play tournament with 173 players. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I can't imagine it getting much bigger than that. We're like, this is awesome. I can't believe we got this many people. <laughs> and a couple of the players, like uh, Trent Augenstein, with that first Pinberg, he said, he's like, you know, in five years from now, this is going to be bigger than Papa. I'm like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and the the trust that people give to to the organizing team to spend their time, their energy, their money to get there is remarkable. So I think that the team really takes that responsibility seriously we do you know now we've got an 800 player tournament to run 
and it's nuts. I, I'm intimidated by that, but we are confident we can do a good job with it. We have the structures in place. We have the format. We have the, the technicians. We have the, the multiple tournament directors. We have Doug Polka who runs the whole thing. People think I'm in charge of Pinberg. I'm not. Doug Polka <laughs> is in charge of Pinberg, and Mark Steinman is in charge of ReplayFX and Papa. Uh, and they just, they, along with Elizabeth Cromwell and Kevin Martin, they just knock themselves over working for these things. And so much of what they do is in the background that they deserve a huge round of applause for making any of that possible. There's no freaking way it would happen otherwise. You all do such an amazing job. It's the most fun tournament. Even when I wasn't doing well, I was still really enjoying myself and the whole show around it. Everything. It was the best time. I loved it so much. And I mean, to say that I'm going to make that trek from, you know, West Coast to East, it's not the most enjoyable journey and it takes up a ton of time, but I will always, always go to Pinburg. It's so wonderful. Thanks. That's, that's, it exists. You have, you have to make the experience the best for the people who are having the worst time, right? Like yeah. they're 0 and 3 in a three strikes tournament. And they throw up their hands and go like, "Fuck this! I'm never coming back." <laughs> well, you didn't grow the you didn't grow the scene. Uh, you you didn't hook somebody. Yeah. Uh, like resetting people, helping people to to gather into divisions and the, the format, I think encourages that. And even like people in the last round when they're they're cooked and they're not making playoffs, you're at least hanging out with other people who are also cooked and not making playoffs exactly. <laughs> to dick around and play some games and have a good time. And I think it's, I think it's really, yeah, it's, it's been yeah. great to be part of that for all six years. People are, I get asked sometimes like, when are you going to stop running this and play in it instead? And like, the answer is never because I love this. I love being part of uh, something this this big. I won't say it's important because it's not important compared to the people making the games or operating the games. Those, the, without them, there's no pinball. And... I'm going to argue with that, though. I think that this is really important. Okay. I think it's something that brings people together in a way that you don't see a lot. I just did it so I could get an ESPN the magazine. <laughs> that's that's really the only reason Mission accomplished. that I Mission do this. Accomplished. <laughs> now we're going to Photoshop you into that uh, aircraft carrier picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's a it's an amazing wonderful fantastic thing and i encourage everyone to participate get on the double super secret wait list and participate next year participate next year <laughs> when it advances to 900 players oh. <laughs> yeah i have no idea how you guys pulled us off but it's beautiful and wonderful and it's um, it was just the best time and it's totally worth it's an investment for sure and it takes planning to get there and time off of work and financial planning and it's all absolutely worth every penny that I put aside for it and um, it's an amazing experience not just the tournament itself but hanging out afterwards and getting to play games with people and seeing people from all over the world that you don't get to run into I think I've said before I've met people that I was like Instagram pinball friends with at yeah. the tournament because we see someone posting a picture and just like, wait a second, where you're over there. I'm you're over from here. Finland? <laughs> <laughs> and now, I mean, maybe some of that is you going to New Zealand also. People who were there from New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, getting uh, to meet people that way too. It's just crazy, but it's a way for our community, which is... I mean, small, relatively speaking, when you when you look at like percentage of population who's involved in this in that way, 
and then you bring everyone together. It's like this little microcosm of the pinball universe, and I love it so much. So, yeah, so that's part of my plans. And then I'm um, going to New Zealand and then the Northwest Pinball Arcade Show in Tacoma. So that's my, those are my travel plans and got everything set and calendared out. So that's kind of where I'll be going for that. Um, we had the second Bells and Chimes meeting of season four. We did something interesting where I broke people into groups and then we um, basically each person in their group picked a game to play that they didn't know a lot about mm -hmm. and asked the other people that they were playing with what they knew about the machine. So Bells teaching Bells, things that they knew, different approaches to the games, and then they could kind of bring me in as like a phone a friend um, if they all wanted to know something else about it. I would try to give them a little more information, like outside perspective to what their group knew. Um, and it was really great. We had a bunch of new members show up, um, I think in advance of Dawn being here and everybody wanting to get memberships in. And um, we are getting ready to do Bowen's live stream tutorial on Congo, um, which is going to be happening at C-Bar. So the um, wonderful guys over at Rose City Pinball, uh, we on Monday night went and tested out the streaming from the bar because I hadn't done on location testing before. And we got that all set up. So thanks to everyone who tuned in on Twitch and gave some feedback. Um, there was bad lag until we got the wired internet connection settled. But after that, everything looks great. So um I don't know if the episode will be up or not, but uh, even if it's <laughs> after the fact. So it's on the Bell's <laughs> Twitch channel. So it's Bell's Pinball PDX. And I am going to archive it and save it. So it'll be available for people to watch afterwards. Um, but we're going to be doing that 3.30 Pacific time on the 19th. Yep. Right? And so yes. It'll be, it'll be available online. And hopefully I didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Might see if we can squeeze a bonus game in after Congo and get a little something else on mm -hmm. film, but it'll be super fun. Um, so the bells are there for the tutorial live, and then we're going to open it up for a little happy hour with Bowen. <laughs> uh oh, that's strange, but this this is good. This is really fun, and uh, I was just excited when when this was offered as an idea. This is a great idea. I would absolutely love to do this. But now I want to be a phone friend. This is like <laughs> like 30, 30 second call only, right? After 30 seconds, I have to hang up. Yeah, okay. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And you can only use it once per uh, once per season. <laughs> you hear him rapidly googling right. in the background of the phone call. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! That's that's only sort of allowed. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're getting ready for that. It's just been so exciting and so much fun having Bowen here and getting to hang out and play some games. And we checked out a bunch of locations after the Pop tournament last night. So um, we went over to Pop and then we wandered over to Quarter World, played some games there. We stopped in at Sea Bar to say hello to everybody and went mm -hmm. to Ship Ahoy. Um, played some Batman 66. And, Bowen's uh... first Batman 66. Um, yeah, ba Batman 66 has a really fun play field to shoot, and the rules are clearly, there's there's some clever rules. Uh, it's it's clear that there's there's something there that's going to improve over time, that uh, the different villain modes, and then the, the, the ability to, to stack them or line them up to make a big, big hurry up is there. There's, there's very clever concepts 
that are not entirely the same as older games. Even the the shot multiplier is back, but it's different. Where <laughs> the first time you get a shot multiplier, it's two x. The second time you get a shot multiplier, it's three x. And then four or five and six x are even possible. So you have this extra risk reward of do you? Let's say there's a shot you know is super important that you want to hit big. You could take the two x on that shot right away. Or you could just say, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I can get that shot for 4x. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then have it something even huger lined up. Um, they they clearly have a little balancing issue right now with the scoring on the bonus. <laughs> uh, because the, the bonus being based on yeah, all the shots heavy. you made in, in, in that round. And that's just something to work out. I'm not worried about that. But it's hilarious in the moment where you play a long ball and you're I think I played a long ball and my, my score at the end of the ball was like 400 million, I think. And I was pretty pleased with that. I was like, this is great. And then the bonus comes. Like the 900... bonus was 957 million. Yeah. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> the bonus comes like, boom! Just comical. <laughs> what? What? They ought to call that like pinball uh, dictionary. That like the bonus bomb or something like that. You know, like, yeah. bonus bomb. I was saying afterwards that that this is this is not just Batman sixty six. That many other games that Stern put out in the era where you would have all of the stuff contributing to bonus, like CSI and NBA, yeah. have the same the same problem where playing for bonus is a better thing to do than playing for the rest of the game. So Eric Stone, who just won the national championship yes, the other day, when he's playing CSI, he played for ramps. It didn't really matter that there's all this other stuff going on, but the thing you did with ramps is you get the letters in CSI that give you bonus X, and bonus X is the game. Yeah. Uh, and then every ramp he shoots is also points that add into the bonus, so it all steamrolls onto itself, and he ends up with like a 90 million score on a difficult CSI, yeah. and the opponent just kind of goes, ha why, yeah, you win. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. And I think Eric was 20 wins and one loss on the day I know. Uh, at the at the national championship. Like wow. unbelievable. All four zeros, and then a, and then a four one against. Uh, I don't remember who who got the one. I think it was Zach. The, uh, Zach Sharp. That's. Uh, so he ran over, ran over Zach Sharp. He ran over Kevin Burrell. Uh, I forget who was second. Who was the who was the finalist against uh, against him? Was, was it Zach? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I I've actually played with Eric off and on for over fifteen years. I've known him since he was in Massachusetts. I've met up with him to play in Utah. Yeah. Actually, a uh, funny story about that. I, I played with Eric Stone at a mall in in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Olympic Mall, okay. or whatever it's called. I don't know. You, you know it better than I do <laughs> if you're in Utah. Um, it's I don't know what the, what the name is, but it's in the Olympic Plaza or something. Right. And there was a Tilt Amusements there. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had a uh, Playboy, a Stern <laughs> Playboy set up. I don't understand why you would ever do that. <laughs> this is a family enter- tilt family entertainment center is right. the name of the place. It's in a Family's mall, yeah. and you go to the back in Salt Lake City, Utah, <laughs> and there's a stern Playboy set up for play, and it's it was in family mode. 
Yeah, it's still <laughs> as much in family mode as, as much as in family mode as, as one could as is possible to do so. I know where that machine but is now. Def- it's there, not in family mode. There are definitely anymore. some. There are definitely some things. There are definitely some things in that game that even when it is set for family mode are decidedly not family. Right. Like the uh, the photo uh, photo shoot. Photo shoot. A couple of other things. Definitely. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're in family mode, you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think at one point, like. Some twelve-year-old boy is watching us play, and we're like, "What do we do about this?" <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Eric was uh, hard at work trying to get the grand champion on that game, and I was like, "I kind of got tired of it after a while. Like, let's go do something else." And yeah. Like, oh, no, I can get this. <laughs> so he's a he's a intense player. He's uh, clearly got a huge huge pile of skill and. He uh, hasn't been to a lot of tournaments, so I w- I'm not surprised at all at his his high performance in this event and in other events. Um, so it's great to see him coming out. He made the Pinburg Top 40 final in A last year, also. Nice. So he's not new to this. No, we might be seeing him more often, I would think. So good, good. He's he could easily win the world championship. That would be cool. Yeah, and then um, speaking of world championships, Helena Walter won the women's world championship. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to her. She kind of steamrolled um, through people too. She had a good record going through. Yeah, know. she had a nice run. Um, Final was uh, her and Carrie Carrie Wing from. Uh, I don't I think she's from. I don't think she's from Oklahoma. I think she's from Kansas City area. Uh, but she she won the Oklahoma City circuit tournament this yeah. year nice. at um, Cactus Jacks. Uh, and I'm not sure if she's coming to circuit final or not, but she definitely earned enough points to play in circuit final. And Sweet. she rolled people over. I, I saw the finals of that online live. and I was like That that was strong play. Sometimes when, when, when a player gets to a final for the very first time, they clam up because they're, they're thinking too hard about it. I did that. <laughs> what they're doing or the fact that they're in a final four or something like yeah. that. And she did not sh- seem to show any nerves at all. Uh, and like her family was there watching. It was, it was so cool. Oh uh, and good for her. And second place in the, the women's championship was cash prize attached to that. And uh, probably some motivation to keep, to keep playing hard. She's really good. Definitely. Yeah. I watched um, some of the stream when I could, Obviously, being during the day and work day, it was like, okay, at lunch, I'm going to turn this on and, you know, I'm going to check in when I can. And... Headphones. Headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, checked in as much as I could um, while that all was happening, but really great play that I saw most of the times I tuned in. There were some really excellent games going on. Um, Priyanka was doing an amazing job in the announcer booth, so um, when she was on the mic and I could actually hear what was going on over my lunch break, it was nice getting some different fresh perspective in there. I know we get a lot of the same characters doing commentary, and that's great because they're very good at what they do, but it was was really nice to have her on there, um, and she did a fantastic job, so that was also really cool. Yeah, definitely. Pre is a is an excellent commentator. Also, uh, Teresa Nessel from mm-hmm. Maine was commenting at one point, and uh, I missed that. She, uh, um, it wasn't. Uh, no, not at this event, but at a different event. Oh. And her work on her work over several hours worth of commenting. She was outstanding. 
Awesome. I'm like, this is a person who clearly either has some broadcast experience or is just <laughs> a natural. amazing at wanting to do this or natural at it. And yeah. I talked to her about it afterwards. She's like, yeah, I didn't think I did that well. Like, you were really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me correct you on that point. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's been kind of what we're up to. That's what we've got going on tomorrow. And then we're trying to figure out for tonight, we want to do like a fun tournament we're going to do an impromptu like team partner format tournament with goofy wacky goofy rules uh, whatever we can think of so if you have do you have any ideas what dumb rules we could add for partners or teams to play yeah hmm i am the worst at wacky um <laughs> but uh <laughs> All right. do you want to do you want to tell them your idea so this isn't really my idea as as much as it is stolen from other people's good ideas. <laughs> but um, it's it's two players playing one game together as a timed tag team. So one person is standing like three feet behind the machine, and every yeah. twenty seconds, switch. Someone yells tag, yeah. and you have to that person on the machine has to run away, tag the person in the back, and then that person runs up and continues the ball. Uh, this was something that I saw at a, an event in Arizona back in college, uh, and and we ran it we ran it in our doubles league in San Francisco for for a summer. And <laughs> it was a really good time. What if there were go ahead. there were different rules every week for that doubles league? Which mm-hmm. weeks the doubles league was called the wacky doubles league. So people coming <laughs> in knew in advance they weren't getting normal pinball they were getting weird rules every week <laughs> right what if uh, uh split flipper yeah ball the ball uh we did blind the, the blindfolded there you go yeah. you had those blindfold <laughs> you had the blindfolds we didn't have as many themed blindfolds as you did oh yeah i made um, when i did the jammy jam for bell's um it, was, it wasn't just Bells, it was open to everyone, but it was a Bells event. So I did the Jammy Jam, which was a brunch time pin golf tournament. Yeah. And I did a side tournament, which was that blindfold and Tommy style. So I got sleep masks, blindfold kind of things, and I screen printed uh, with the help of my friend Lisa, Tilt and Danger onto the sleep masks. <laughs> so one person would be wearing that and then be guided by their partner behind them. Yeah, I was going to say, what if you redid that part that i think that would be a blast we're saying it's it's a little less fun than you think it ought to be because <laughs> by the time you tell somebody left they, they've already left. yeah you have <laughs> yeah. to anticipate the timing a little bit <laughs> yeah but. we did it by touch so rather than that's a little bit that's a little better you would touch their shoulder uh, or some people but, just some people always touch their shoulders and then released when they wanted them to flip that's cool they thought that was faster so people had different theories on what was going to work better Perfect. in that situation but what most people ended up doing and why they were more successful than others is they just flail <laughs> and they're constantly flipping and you're gonna hit more than if you literally just listen to the times where someone's like wait flip no no, not oh. It, <laughs> you're not you're not going to make any accurate shots with flip now. Oh, oh. so you might as well be flailing away. So yeah, it's more effective. One thing that was kind of fun is, did I tell you how we play dollar games in our leagues when we do dollar games? Tommy, Doll- um, Tommy dollars. 
Yeah, but they also add a dollar per ball. Yeah, so oh, okay. so you can fold at any point. So you put it. You each put your dollar in. So each player puts a dollar. But you put it anywhere you want on the glass. Um, yep. Then after ball one, if you can fold and they'll just plunge off your ball. But you can dollar up every ball. So by the end, there's you know a lot of ones out on the glass. But we also have a rule um, that because you're putting them where you want to, you know, obstruct vision. That if you're playing and the any of the dollars slide down below the slings then uh it it's the end of your ball um so you got to be kind of careful okay. about that because a lot of times people will shake it a little bit to make the dollars what are you playing what are you playing earth shaker all the time <laughs> no but um that's part of it is you can intentionally shake it to get the balls to like uncover the rollovers for example while you're playing but you have to make sure that the dollars that have been placed low aren't going to get down near the the slings but you could do it without dollars Isn't you could a just question of intent then like what if it accidentally is like you know you're not trying to move so, it? So you're gonna so I'm gonna I'm so, gonna place my dollar just right above the slings so that I can kill off everybody else as soon as they try to nudge. Right. No, so yep, you lose. people are generally cool about that. It's like oh it's just it's just slipping. He's he's not doing it. They'll they'll just walk over and nudge it up while he's playing. So um, part part of uh, making sure that works is that you're playing with people who are know the rules of hey let's all just be cool about this. But uh, <laughs> but you could do that uh, with like uh, those one dollar little gel pads that they sell for like the grippy things for your cell phones on the car dash or whatever, and they wouldn't slide. So you could create blind spots on the game, um, and you could do the same thing where you, so you don't have to be putting money up to play. But you could do something worse. This is this is this is a whole lot of thought going. <laughs> something would be blinded, or just take paper with tape on the back or something. I don't know, but. All right, I want to recommend a new, a new rule for your your dollar poker games. Okay, which is that if a player matches, they win. I actually think that would be fun. Um, or they get to split the pot with the winner or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's a bad beat jackpot. <laughs> but they have to stay in. They can't. You can't. Uh, if you folded and then you match and you can't right, win that, you're you have to stay. You have to stay in for the end of the hand, yeah. and you, you won on the river. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about something to, like, you know, along the lines of the card thing, you know, if you did, like, a match play, and then your position decides, like, there's four cards available for every game, playing mm -hmm. cards, and first place gets to pick their card first, and then second, and then third, and then fourth, and you play enough games where you make a poker hand. That would be fun. Out of those cards. That's That was done pretty recently, and I forget by who. Uh, oh. So, it's been done a couple times, and it works. I'm stealing uh, that. For sure. And then you you have you have to have more than you play more than five games so that in like game six you have you have a five card hand you've already got, but you might be drawing for a certain card. Uh -huh. And and then you're either really excited to win or maybe you're trying for second because you're hoping that the, the person who's winning is trying to make a hand and they don't want the card that you want. Right. And then you can still get the thing you're after. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's a lot that kind of goes, a lot of thought that goes into it. Um, yeah, we used to run, I used to run uh, poker formats with uh, blinds and antes and everything, mm -hmm. and that was that was a popular tournament format in the time that uh, online poker was really popular. Yeah, we do the thing where we were running out you, of side side events for a while. Yeah. Um. We we generally we do do the thing sometimes where everybody plays each game once and then. Um, just typical scoring uh, breaks down to how, like, that all goes into determining how many chips you get at the table. So the ultimate winner is the person who ends up winning the 
poker game after pinball. But uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, that, that's actually been kind of fun. And it's funny because cool. a, cool. a lot of times the people who aren't that great at poker but might be good at pinball, they come to the table with so many chips they can bully out um the, <laughs> the people good, the good yeah poker players. but the good poker players have also been able to rally up from you know a low amount of chips so it's kind of fun um we did one of those recently but what if you're mediocre at pinball and terrible at poker <laughs> that's me you lose. that's me and i finished fourth <laughs> i finished fourth by going all in because i thought i was third i didn't realize the guy next to me literally had like well he didn't even have enough to do the uh the blind he was going to be anti out the next hand. but he was just he was just folding every hand and i wasn't paying attention uh so i was like okay i'm third place i don't i don't care uh so i went all in with someone and uh lost no trophy no glory but but i'm just not good at poker so i was like whatever so cool. i don't know that's a good idea um, uh yeah i'm yeah, stealing so we'll that we, we'll see what we do tonight make a hand it's, I'm stealing uh that. The make the make the hand thing is is pretty clever. Yeah. Okay. This is all, this... Somebody else's idea first. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is somebody else's idea first. Yeah, you know? yeah I suppose. Even yeah. well, pretty much all my best ideas are somebody else's ideas first. I just don't know whose they were. Yeah. <laughs> or I pretend I don't know whose they were. All credit to whoever came up with that first. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as tournament formats, we, we were joking about the whole herb thing beforehand, but um, is there a specific one that either one of you guys prefer? Like, I know, Jessica, you're a big match play uh, yep. person. Um, I've come to really start enjoying pin golf quite a bit because it's super, super casual and very social. Um, but I, I think like if I had to pick one, it, it would be match play as well. But Bone, do you... Are you the same way that you prefer match play, or? I think that I think that the format you choose has a lot of dependency on access to machines and the number of machines relative to the number of players. Uh -huh. So, let's say if you have like ten machines and twenty players, you can play a, a match play, no problem. In fact, you don't even need to eliminate anybody. You can let people play ten games worth of match play, and then stack everybody and decide who's the finalist, or just end it right there and say. You win because you have the best record. That's what happened at the 24-hour battle in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. There was no final. Yeah. It's just everybody stacked from best to worst throughout the entire 24 hours. And when the time is up, that's it. Somebody wins, somebody loses because of their, their record. Uh, I like that format a ton. But if you don't have enough games and you have the same number of people, you can't do that without making people stand around and wait and... Mm -hmm. Uh, the match play formats don't really work very well when you have that kind of problem of access. So that's where where golf is kind of fun is that people can come come and go as they please, or or they'll they'll go through a whole course. And so the thing that's going on in Texas right now is a pin golf right. with uh, different tee times, a morning and an evening tee time, similar to a, a PGA event. It's clearly modeled after the, the way the PGA organizes its events. Uh, so that you know, this is the time where I need to be be there, and the rest of the time I can relax and do other stuff or play other games. Uh, one of the formats that I've been pushing pushing for, and I've never been able to run an event on that I'd like to, is uh, a bowling format. Yeah. Where similar to pin golf, you play ten machines instead of nine, 
and the score you get per frame is based on how how you did on the game on your ball one. If you make the target on your ball one, it's a strike. If you make the target on your ball two, it's a spare. And if you make the target on your ball three, because I'm from New England and we play real bowling with three balls per frame, <laughs> uh, you just get you just get a ten box. And otherwise, your score is the percentage of the target score that you made. So if you make 40% of the target score on ball one, that's a four for that first ball of the bowling. Mm. And the reason why I think this is a good format is it does better for players who are at the low end of things. When pin golf runs, I see people setting the pin golf targets really high. And you, you want to do the opposite of that. You want players who are not very good to feel satisfied with at least some of what they do rather than saying, well, I missed that target. I missed that target. Yeah. I missed all the targets. I'm never coming back because I suck. <laughs> with pinball, with the bowling format, there is no failure. You're just not getting strikes and spares. You're getting sevens and fives and sixes and eights instead of getting a, a There's no gutter ball. bogey or whatever. <laughs> There's no, right. There's no gutter ball. There are gutter balls that someone could do really badly. <laughs> But you don't. You wouldn't want. You don't. Also, you don't want to set the target too high in, in the bowling format because you want people to be able to get strikes by achieving that goal on ball one. Yeah, that's so a... that makes the target that makes the targets low, and it gives a satisfaction to people who don't who don't make the targets, which is something that's missing from the golf. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so and then you got to you got to teach people how to score a bowling. Yeah. It <laughs> used to be in my day we wrote our bowling scores on wax and then you super you, you projected them on the top and you had a special pencil that you'd draw the scores on the bowling alley I used to play at in Chicago actually had a pin setter human pin setter oh yeah it was so great and then when you were done you would like stuff money in the holes of one of the balls and roll it really slowly down the gutter to tip him that's nice. amazing. I loved it. I miss it so wow. much. <laughs> there are um, there are some new places that are opening up with that with pin with pin setters. Really? And they're friggin' expensive as all heck in like LA and mm. maybe in Chicago, New York. For See, only for, for only eighty dollars an hour, you too <laughs> you too can have the experience of a person setting your pins. So during prohibition, you would probably just His pour. Name is Brunswick. Some moonshine into the holes and cork them and roll them right, down. And and... Shove a cork in there. <laughs> and bowling alleys were like, okay, those four lanes over there, they're uh, reserved tonight. And men in suits were <laughs> rolling balls real slowly down. Yeah. That would be pretty great if it was a drink delivery system and it, like you would have a dummy ball that would just be filled with liquor. <laughs> now, guys, you roll. You do not roll the liquor quicker. We we. Go easy on this one. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm gonna be That's out in Chicago. I, I like I like the uh, I think that anybody picking some sort of format needs to look carefully at how the worst player in the tournament will experience that format. Yeah. And if that format doesn't give that person a good experience, then they should reconsider. Like even the the format at Papa where Previously to this year, you just play cards, yeah. a run of a run of five games, and then and then the score. Most of the players who play at Papa, they they play by themselves, and then someone comes over and tells them you suck, 
<laughs> you're 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 bad enough that you don't get to play. You don't get to compete against other people directly. Uh, and even the scoring system, if it's not built enough, it can it can tell someone your total is zero. You did as badly as if you had never shown up at all. Uh, and so those are those are the kind of considerations I think should go into decisions you make about scoring. Don't look at and also timing like. Yeah. If it takes you eight hours to run something, that's that's not fun. Yeah, it's fun for the right it's fun for ten people. And those ten people are, are vocal about it and they enjoy that very much, but people you really need to attract and grow, they're not gonna want to hang out for eight hours doing something. Yeah. Except Pinberg. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why Pinberg is ten hours a day. <laughs> um that's actually a big thing that we've been dealing with uh when we set up our league is we didn't want you know we were going to be new um we didn't want to chase away all of the people who maybe they don't play that often um but they're looking for the social aspect of it and so we were really careful um we did want to have some sort of uh we to not um have a million people come we did have like some sort of fee to join the league but all of it all of it 100 percent of it got paid back out um but what we did is we just um paid back out uh based on points that you accumulated throughout the entire uh, league instead of like a big okay here's how everybody qualified for our final week tournament or whatever and so even the people who came and didn't do very well throughout the time they got something back at the end and they were surprised at how much they got back like oh wow that was we scaled it to where even all the way down at the bottom it was enough to where they felt like they got this little kind of bonus for coming every week and putting points on the board um but that their time was justified just as much as their investment in it and one thing that's really done is those people kept coming back and now in season two the bottom part of our league is starting to put dents into to the players at the top we're seeing a lot more parity in the league and it's it's awesome like it's so exciting to see the bottom half of the league be a legit threat to take points from the top players any given night and um i think that that's kind of a good sign that you're building the scene correctly or you had a successful tournament where the people who finished at the bottom still felt like it was time well spent money well spent um as opposed to anything else they could have been doing so i, I totally agree with you there consider the bottom as one of your top considerations for any tournament or event yeah that's awesome that's really terrific yeah. so in the in the new england pit in the new england pinball league we divide up the players into a b c and d divisions uh, yeah, we just we have AB. finals. They're all separate finals, and all the finals play off for the same cash prizes. So the winner of D earns exactly as much and exactly the same uh, hardware as the winner of A, and that that reduces some of the perception that that new players have about leagues is that they're they're funding sources for the top players. <laughs> yeah. That if you feel like you're you're only acting as a contributor monetarily to other players it can can ruin someone's enjoyment of it so that sounds like a really clever way of uh allocating the, the prize money i like that a lot yeah we actually divide um our league um between an a and a b as well and as it goes on uh b people can climb out of b and a people can slip down to b 
but they'll always be competing when we do our weekly matchups, A's against A's and B's against B's. So um, that that helps a lot as far as the people on the bottom having more chance to win. But there's a, there's a lot of things that can be done with that. Um, but yeah, we talked formats, and I know we're running a little bit long, so maybe this part we can do a little bit quicker. But I think one of the biggest uh, things that people struggle with is how to handle qualification as well. Um, you know, if the format, like you're mentioning, you have enough machines, you have enough people that you can just do match play. That's great. Start with the match play end with the match play. But a lot of times you do have to, um, do some sort of seating or some sort of, uh, qualification when you have either tons of people or just by what type of an event it is, you need to do that. And, uh, obviously there was a lot of uproar about Papa changing their qualifying and, um, people are looking at different ways of handling that. Is there a method that you like? Um, and either of you guys, I mean, uh, is there a preferred qualification method? No. What do you like? Do you, uh, do you like, <laughs> do you like none of the above? Nice. <laughs> um, we had a tournament here, the Oregon state jumps tournament, which started with, um, the jumps tournament, the jumps tournament. So it was the day before Oregon state champs and that worked based on seating and it used your IFPA ranking. Okay. And if someone went to play in the tournament who didn't have one, um, then they were kind of grouped together as like a newer, like entry level sort of group. And then it, um, you would get sorted based on people who you had a similar win loss record to as you went. And I liked that. I think that that worked um, well. It took a little while to get started because it wasn't something you pre-registered for. So once you signed up, they had had to then sort through everybody, look everyone up, see where you were, and mm-hmm. kind of go from there. So that's a little more time intensive. But if it was something that people signed up for ahead of time, I like that. Um, otherwise I think enough initial rounds of match play before going into, um, you know, a finals or changing format is, is a nice way to do that too. But, you know, I really like the formats where, you know, like pen golf where everyone just kind of plays together or, you know, when you're at Penberg and you naturally get sorted, um, like, okay, well, after this many rounds of the first day, we're going to sort into divisions and, um, being able to do that and then playing with people who are in similar skill levels skill set levels to yourself um so i guess it depends on how long the tournament is in terms of being able to make those kinds of decisions but um i think they're good viable options but i like the ones that adjust as you're playing that day yeah yeah and he's talking about about also the options where you just you just have too many players you have to find some way of eliminating people or or uh giving them a different experience for them to go through that then determines whether they, whether they get to continue because you've got 200 players and, and only access to 10 machines, for example. Right. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I, I think, you know, I've done the unlimited entry, uh, pump and dump, whatever you wanted to call it. And that it has its advantages, it has pl- plenty of disadvantages. I used to prefer that just because, I was less consistent of a player and about every fifth or sixth game, I could really blow it up. Um, I mean, at California extreme, that's what happened. I had like a giant game on world on, uh, uh, <coughs> what's the gate, uh, whitewater. And I just, that one was enough to carry me forward. And, and that was cool. But now that I'm a little more consistent and I'm seeing the issues <laughs> in that, um, format a little bit more. I really like what they do when you have a set number of entries uh, or, or games. So like yeah. Texas Pinball, the way they're doing it is you have 20 games to play. And um, 
you just need to have at least two games from each era. So two from the DMD, two from the Solid State, two from uh, the EM era. So it's be- it's those six scores combined, and you can use those 20 games however you want um, within that. So, you know, I think I have a Ghostbusters. I'm probably going to put a few plays on Ghostbusters for my modern. Um, and uh, Jessica, you could avoid it or something like that. Um, but right. I-, I like that because it takes a little bit of intimidation away from people. They're still playing a, a best score, but it's not just going to be who can put down another $20 and queue up as fast as they can until they blow that game up. So I kind of like yeah, that's that. A, that's a really big problem. But that's a really big problem yeah. with the unlimited best game format is that uh, players with a, a heavy pocketbook have a natural advantage over others. And then the only dis- the only limitation for those players is the amount of time they have to try. Exactly. Yeah. And at a, an event like Papa where players are already spending a gob of money to even get there in the first place. <laughs> yeah. That is, I suspect, I'm, I wasn't involved in this decision, I suspect that's one of the reasons they went with unlimited qualifying instead of a limited qualifying, because they figure that an unlimited qualifying is still within the budget for players who already committed a huge, a lot of money to make that trip. Right. And uh, and then to, to tell somebody to come out and then say, oh, you're out, you're, 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 you got no more entries. Yeah. yeah. That uh, is a tough. It's a tough call for an event. Uh, at Calixtream, we've gone to the the, event, the format you described, mm-hmm. the limited no, the limited entries, where a player buys twenty entries right up right up off the bat, and they need to play six games. So it's very similar to what you described for Texas this weekend. Yeah, I think and that's a good balance of that's... fair, um, and it gives some flexibility to screw up. <laughs> the feedback from players. It uh, was one of the reasons that I think Papa changed to a to a uh, unlimited best game format from the from the ticket entry format. Okay. That players felt players feel and Calixtream changed from a ticketing format to a best game format several years ago for a similar reason. Players just said, you know, it's punishing to play some good games and then have a bad game lined up with it that kills off the good games. Right. And I don't li- I don't like that. It's not fun. Right. Uh, and I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to do instead? <laughs> or, I prefer if it were unlimited best game. <laughs> then you say, okay, fine, we'll do unlimited best game. The, a different crowd, sometimes the same people will say, I don't want unlimited best game. <laughs> unlimited best game gives gives these advantages. I don't think there's any one format that is that is best. It's interesting to compare it to say the European tournaments, where the European tournaments, European Pinball Championship, routinely has you playing. Say eight games back to back with no no retries. You might get one retry, like one game that you can say, "I will take a second chance at such and such." Wow! And then that's your that's your qualifying entry. And if you play well enough across the that set of eight games, you qualify for another round, which is often the same thing that the forty eight players who pass that first level do it over again. <laughs> and then if they can pass the next level into the final 16 or 24 or whatever, then they play match play with those players. Dang. Uh, That's kind of cool. Uh, it's cool. It's also very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, and, and for someone to travel, say, from the U.S. to Europe and then play eight games and be told, ah, you suck. Yeah, you're, you're out. <laughs> you didn't make it. You're out. Um, 
I think the I uh, yeah I think that's, the Euros whew. the Euros look at the look at the U.S. formats and go you guys are nuts you just you <laughs> let people play again why would you do that that's not fair uh, so limited best game gives a chance for everybody to have clearly the same competitive experience yeah and I think that that's relevant that's that's important. So, I don't know whether that will be something Papa does in the future, but that's that's the format, like I said, for Texas. I think that that's what the what the what we're leaning towards as an audience overall. And the reason that that's happened is because there are more players. Yeah. When the 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 best game unlimited format worked really well when there were forty people. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, when there the... are 70 people, not so much. And when there are 150 people, it falls apart. It's a nightmare. <laughs> um, the biggest issue I have with Unlimited, and this is kind of the last thing I'll say about it, is I don't think this is a very common occurrence. And this might happen unintentionally to some people, but I saw it. This is what turned me off to it, is I was safe above the cut line. And I was just there watching as those last people at the bottom were kind of floating above and down. And they were um, going head to head. Well... There was a group of people that were also safe above the above the cut line that were buddies with someone who was floating in out of that. So what they did is they all queued up um, on a game that would knock a point off of the person that um, their friend was going against uh, to try and drop him a point. And so what they did is they all queued up and they were they were pretty much done with qualifying aside from trying to help this guy. And so as soon as they dropped that person's score on the game um, that he thought he was they done quit. playing, uh, they, they, they no, so give up and let somebody else. No go worse. Side. They queued up on it again um, so that he couldn't go in and replay that game that he had just got dropped down a little bit on um, just to eat time. But basically they were obstructing him from getting back into the queue um, so they were just constantly keeping the game uh, four or five people deep. So when he got in, he would he would get to play once for every five times that game was getting played. And there was like six or seven people still trying to qualify down at the wire, and five or six of those people were already safe. They were just trying to make that guy's time between plays longer. And it worked. He ended up not getting back above the cut line again. Their friend got in. And so I was like, oh, that that's kind of... A little bit unsporting, um, but I saw that. Uh, I want to. I just. I also want to say that this isn't. This isn't something that always happens. Like at Papa qualifying last year or two years ago, there were players colluding. allowing other players to to move. No, to, not colluding, but to allowing other players to move in front of them in the line because they had an operable entry. They had like. It, this isn't say the final hour of qualifying where someone is playing and they have a they have a real chance of making it. Mm -hmm. uh, other players would would jump would like let them go through to the top to the front yeah. of the line. That's, that's cool. Awesome. Uh, so that that person could continue and play out their entry where they were on their own entry that was either dead or unlikely, and they said, you know what, go ahead. You need this. You need this more than we do. Go ahead. And that that maybe is a difference between the ticketing system versus unlimited best game. Right. That allowed that to happen that's also the difference between like the really amazing humans that i love in pinball and the ones where i'm like why yeah, are yeah. you doing yeah. my, re my reaction to what you said is who are these people and how can i avoid them yeah, yeah. um yeah, exactly and so i i don't think that's a very common thing but i i've seen versions of that play out unintentionally where someone's just like well i'm just going to keep playing pinballs get more 
time practicing it and there is those couple of people sweating it out in the queue that i that's like that's just an inherent flaw in the in that system so but again like you were saying that's not going to be an issue with papa with the number of players who's playing and stuff and this is i think it still will be an issue it probably will be uh and you'll have people who have put in a gob of money and put in all the money they feel like putting in and then they're compelled to put in more because they see themselves Slipping. Drip, drip, dripping yeah. away. And this is exactly what the best game format was invented to do. Right. It drives it drives the prize pool. Uh, and at events where, you know, until this best game format came along, it was routine to have the prize pool for a pinball tournament be $1,000 or less total. And when the first best game tournaments started coming out, the price pool for those events was suddenly 2000 3000 <laughs> 5000 And everyone else looks around and goes like, well, let's see, which, which one of these do we prefer? Do we want a $1,000 price pool or a $5,000 price pool? Uh, and that's what drove many of the events to go best game. Then once the player base started to expand, that's when best game started to suffer. And you see these long lines, and you see these just people standing waiting eh, it's just not what people want to do in pinball i mean I, I i'm reluctant to go to some of these events now like i saw the lines at chicago expo last year and my reaction was i'm glad i'm not there Yeah, that was crazy yeah and that's not a good reaction <laughs> you don't want you don't want players to go like i'm really glad i did not attend that pinball tournament well so, that's kind of why like i went up to vancouver flip out and it was fun going up to Vancouver. It was fun going to the show and getting to see everybody, but doing like waiting around and going through the queues, it's just not, it's just not what I enjoy. So I'm glad that I did it, but I can definitely see, you know, the differences in the formats and how some maybe aren't the most welcoming to people who don't have a ton of money to sit and dump in and don't want to sit around in the room all day and just wait right. in queues. So. And you imagine someone who's never played in a pinball tournament before and they want this to be their first ever event. Is this what you want people to see as their first ever pinball tournament? No. Uh, so some of the events that have created limited match play opportunities like uh, Northwest Pinball Arcade Show, it's nice because it's a two-hour commitment. And... You win or you lose in those two hours, and then you can go back to your real life again and <laughs> enjoy the rest of the show instead of having to sit around watching. So I think that those limited pool match plays are are really nice op- a thing that could be done to try and adjust to the situations where you don't have access to enough machines to really do a full match play like Pinberg has. And that's right. what we were doing. Even before Pinberg, there were two or three years' worth of this event called Cupids and Canines, which was a fundraiser. Um, around uh, Valentine's Day, for and puppies. yeah, for, for, for cats and dogs, and the <laughs> idea was you would pay ten bucks to get an entry to a match play pool. When four players signed up, you played a four-player round together. The winner of that round advanced to level two, but no one else was eliminated. You just didn't win that time. So mm-hmm. you could go back and put in a new level one, new sign up for a new level one anytime you wanted to. And once there was enough people, winners to play a level two, they played, and the winner of that became a level okay. three. Very cool. And it was a little bit like the super satellites in poker, where 
someone pays five dollars to play in a tournament with some people and the winner gets a ticket to a fifty dollar event right and the winner of that gets a ticket to a five hundred dollar event and eventually the winner of that gets a, a ticket to the world series of poker that's really smart so that was what it was that's what it was inspired by but it also let you have these rolling signups and it also allowed you to have match play in those signups. So that was, I, think, I felt it was an effective format that we built at, uh, at those tournaments for people to show up, play, play short time, pop in, pop out as they wanted to. And then when Pinberg came along, that, that, that format was kind of abandoned because the match play tournament started up. Great. Huh. I like that, though. I do, too. Well, guys... Um... I don't know if you have anything else you want to throw in. Uh, I don't. I don't know, Bowen, if you have any topics that you're just dying to discuss on the Pinball Podcast <laughs> or shoutouts or such. But <laughs> the Pinball Podcast. Ooh, I think we're gonna be um, <laughs> very, very fancy. No, I think we're gonna we're gonna head this over was, to Blackbird. This was Pizza. much less game show talk than I expected. I know, I know I it was so much less game show. I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even talk about Plinko too, the wall. Um, <laughs> well, when you're out here for when your math things or something, let's go let's go meet up with Chuck Woolery and we'll we'll uh he lives uh, in Park City. What? Chuck Woolery, he lives in Park yeah. City. Okay, I did not know that, but I'm in parks. I will be in Park City yet again. Yeah. Should I look for him and just 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 shout? I'd like to buy a vowel. Jeff's gonna start stalking him uh, now. What was the what was the, <laughs> what was the name of the show he was on that was kind of like Scrabble? You mean Scrabble? Was, was it Scrabble? <laughs> no, no, no. Was it actually Scrabble? Like uh, yes, they, they, the, the name of the show. The name of the oh, show, I believe, was. I remember they Scrabble. pushed the things. Down, they pushed the tiles down, right? They push it into like some little. Yeah, hole yeah. Or whatever. T- t- the you Scrabble mean the, tiles. You mean the Scrabble tiles, right? <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was. And, the, and if you hit a lingo, then, and then some ti- lingo, some, jerks. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the. No, those are balls, and you never push tiles down. Lingo was a completely I'm, different I, game. I, nothing ever. Nothing ever got pushed. Nothing ever got pushed down in lingo. Everything was being pulled up out of the, yeah. the buckets of buckets of balls. That's right. That's right. Um, I remember that now. The other game that you're thinking of is called Scrabble. Scrabble. <laughs> I don't know um, if he was the host of Scrabble. I, I, when I was... Yes, he was the oh, host of Scrabble. <laughs> we have a definitive answer Scrabble. right here. Scrabble with Chuck Woolery. <laughs> uh, well, I watched uh, that was that When I was... I was uh, when I was young. I wanted to be on Scrabble, and they would do like Teen Weeks and College Weeks, and like someday I'm gonna get on Kids Week or Teen Week of Scrabble, and <laughs> we send in like the postcard and try to try and get picked for it, but it never happened. And that was a great show, Scrabble. And then you had the stoppers, and you yes. had the Scrabble Sprint Round, <laughs> and you had the red and the blue. That if you hit the red or the blue, you got bonus money. <laughs> They could have made it's amazing. a home version of that. Tiles that ended up on like blue. You you're looking for a home version of Scrabble. No, of the way their format of Scrabble. <laughs> like they could totally digitize that uh, game. Was, someone should totally make that. That game that is also great. called Scrabble. It's not the same though. It's, it's... Um, so <laughs> more information than you than than is necessary here. Uh, 
they they did try to to make a new version of Scrabble the game show recently that was intended to be more like Scrabble the board game, oh. where people would have racks of tiles and build words and and put them on the board, and it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> it was it was so boring. Yeah, I, that the, I the that. show never never even made it to TV <laughs> uh, because the the wordplay that the the fake Scrabble is doing was was interesting. It was like little puzzles. Yeah. yeah. And guessing letters similar to uh, a wheel with fortunes on it uh, that uh, was also popular. You know, it, it wasn't that Scrabble's boring. It's just that it was Upwards' time, and they missed that. So, <laughs> wasn't Upwards the one where you built on top, on top of the other tiles? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that ho- that show was also hosted by Chuck Woolery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chuck, you're everywhere. Um yeah, I just remember watching. For some reason, Lingo was on the Game Show Network a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Lingo Lingo was pretty good. Lingo was like uh, um, it was almost like uh, Mastermind for words. It would it, you pick a five letter word, and then it would tell you which which letters were in the right place, yeah, or correct letters in the wrong place, and then you had five chances to figure out what word. Yeah, it was a great yell at your TV it. show, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great one. Good, okay, yeah, so definitely good play along. Okay, I'll set up dinner with Chuck, um, and uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. I'm I'm sure I can reach I'm, Chuck. I'm I'm weirdly. <laughs> I'm not sure how much you're joking about this, given the things that uh, I'm learning about people knowing people. It's very strange. <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually it, if you would be interested, I'm fairly confident I could get in touch with Chuck. <laughs> You're asking me if I'm interested in having dinner with a game show host. Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. I will. I will. The answer is I will definitively yes. And then I will ask him about uh, his work on greed. No, 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 no. Where, and and how he could remember how much money each person is playing for in the show with five players, each playing for a different amount of money. Greed was a great. Um, but what you really need to do is only talk to him about his very short-lived reality TV show. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not fair. That was that was not good. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I'm serious. I, I will try and my actual my actual plan is to just confuse him with Wink Martindale and ask him nothing but questions <laughs> about shows that were actually hosted by Wink Martindale and see whether see what he says <laughs> until he kicks just... until he kicks me out. Every time that you guys like get up or walk, just have the, the game show music, like the theme music playing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> theme music to Scrabble. <laughs> I can sing you the, the theme music to Scrabble right now. Sing it. Scrabble. 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 Wait, let me guess the next line. Scrabble. 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 That. That was essentially exactly what you're doing when I was trying to describe the show he was on. (laughs) (laughs) That's the second time you've seen that on the show tonight. (laughs) I think I think that's I think that's that's a good note to go out. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, play us out, play us out with the theme music to Scrabble, please. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, I will find that. Uh, All right, Jeff, it was super fun. Thanks, Colin, for joining us. Absolutely. Anytime. Yay. And uh, sorry about the mic stuff earlier. Oh, it's okay. That's um, all right. 
So yeah, everybody check out the Bells Twitch stream. Um, it's Twitch TV Bells Pinball PDX. Um, and if anybody has any tips for my trip to New Zealand, please uh, write to me, bellspinballpdx at gmail.com. And then what's the pinball podcast? You're, you're everywhere. Yeah, and, and it's just pinball podcast on and pinball podcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash pinball podcast, Twitter, pinball, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it just <laughs> it's very easy to find it because of that stupid SEO mind of mine. But Bowen, uh, where's your Patreon and anything else you want to mention? Oh, uh, well, if people want to support making the tutorials. Uh, many have gone to pinball, uh, patreon.com slash pinball and pitched in a dollar or five dollars or whatever. I, I don't like to beg people for money but I, i'm just so appreciative 200 plus people are supporting it and it lets us at this point make a new video every month and a half yeah. uh and uh, the continuation of being able to make the the tutorial video series is is so nice of the community to pitch in for this appreciate it yeah um otherwise uh no, nothing nothing really i i in my real life i do uh curriculum writing for math and uh we're about to publish a grade six through eight middle school series nationally that will be free for anyone to use. That's awesome. And the, the name of the company is illustrative, illustrative mathematics. So if you look up illustrative mathematics, you'll learn more about the, the curriculum and the philosophy behind it. And I'm hopeful that this has a major impact with uh, the ability for schools, especially in areas where budgets are low, for example, in entire city of Philadelphia, can't afford any textbooks for any students. Right. They just have a zero dollar budget for textbooks. Oh. And that's not fair. No. Uh, and now any school can use high quality materials and not have to pay for them. That's that's the right thing. And that's what we ought to have been doing the whole time, but that we're able to do this through uh, nonprofit companies and Creative Commons licensing. It's, it's really going to be, I hope, very impactful. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, very... I help people buy in-home freeze dryers, so <laughs> cool. That's important, right? No, I'm. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome what you do, and um, I will admit that I do try and solve every little math thing you put up on Facebook or whatever, and I don't always get those <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's awesome. So people check that out. Um, for now, that's great. Look for your, the Congo video coming whenever it's tomorrow. It'll be out now. Out now? Yeah. Out now-ish. Out yeah. now. By the time this, <laughs> By the time this is Yeah, sorry, guys. You missed out. it. It was great. <laughs> but um, it's a fantastic game. It was unbelievable. So, um, yeah. So, thanks for doing those as well. Um, and hopefully, we'll have you back at some point. And I'll start working on Dinner with Chuck. What's the date, by the way? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Am I on a date with Chuck? No, no, no. <laughs> What's the date range? My, you'll be... my date with Chuck. What's the date range you'll be <laughs> That was the name of his <laughs> reality show. <laughs> Uh, I'll be in uh, Park City starting June 25th, 26th, I okay. think, through, uh, through about July 17th. Okay. Well, that's that's a big enough window that Chuck's got to be available. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say about Chuck? He's just he's an amazing person, but he's just past his um, time of hey, having hey. a full schedule. Oh, game show oh. host. Game show host never expires. No, he... <laughs> He will live on forever. They are, they are aliens. But his schedule is not as busy as it once was, I'll just say. So. 
He managed to offend Bowen before the end of the episode. I Good tried. Job. It was just I tried so Scrabble. many times, but <laughs> Scrabble. 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 And fade out. Scrabble. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. We'll call it. <laughs> Bye, Jeff. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Jeff. <laughs>